Hi there, this is Jacob Msipa, the senior pastor of Builders Church. I just want to thank you for taking time to listen to our podcast today, and I trust that it will bless and build your spirit. Enjoy the message, and God bless you. Uh, we are talking about the Holy Spirit. Many people think that maybe they don't need the Holy Spirit, but we are embarking on a journey to learn about the Holy Spirit and um, his significance in our walk with God and in our lives in general. Amen. And uh, we need to make sure that uh, we subject ourselves to knowing him. And um, when we were singing and worshiping just now, I felt, um, I felt in my spirit that he was saying, I go where I am loved. I manifest myself where I am loved. So if you love him, he's going to manifest himself in your life. If you develop the love for him, he's going to manifest himself in your life in a great and in a marvelous way. So my subject this morning is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 5, verse number 9. Ephesians, chapter number 5, verse number 9. The Bible says, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Can we all read, if you have found it, Ephesians 5, verse number 9, 1, 2, 3, go. For the fruit of the Spirit is in love, is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. One last time. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Somebody say goodness, righteousness, truth. Now that we are born again, we have established that the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in the inside of us. Remember, we have already been taught that when we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in the inside of us. So as believers, as the, as the children of the Most High God, we are the ones who have the Holy Spirit in the inside of us. And the Bible says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, verse number 16, it says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse number 19 also says, Or oh, do you not know? That your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Who is in you? Whom you have from God. And you are not your own. So our new birth experience causes us to be candidates or to become uh, those who host the Holy Spirit in the inside of us. It, it, our new birth experience causes us to become the household for the Holy Spirit. He comes and he dwells in the inside of us. Somebody say amen. 
So he is in us to permeate us. He is not just in us so that he can just be there for the sake of being there. He is not in us so that we can brag and say we have the Holy Spirit living in the inside of us. Because if we are like that, then it means that we are like someone who boasts to say that uh, I am, maybe I live in the same house as um, the president of a big company. And yet, I do not benefit anything from that. I live in the same house with someone who can actually, uh, who holds the keys to each and everything that I need. To each and every door that I aspire to enter. And yet, I am not using that person. And yet, those keys are not accessible to me. So when you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in the inside of you, and he is just there for the sake of being there, you are missing out. I did teach us a few weeks ago that the Holy Spirit is our advantage as the children of God. So the reason that he lives in the inside of us, he does not live in the inside of us so that we can have something to say and say that you don't have the Holy Spirit, I have the Holy Spirit in the inside of me, and yet I am not getting the advantages of having the, the Holy Spirit living in and dwelling in the inside of me. So if I am going to live a defeated life, just like those that I break to, then it means that maybe I have not really fully have put him in use in my life. He's just lying dormant in the inside of me because he came when I got saved, he he came and he dwelt in the inside of me when I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. However, I'm not benefiting anything from him. I once had someone make an illustration that blessed my heart so much. They took a bottle of, of water and they said, this water is nutritious. It's mine. They have given to me. I can use it. However, unless I open it and drink it, with all its potential, with all its nutrients and, every, and vitamins and whatever it is that I can find in the water, I am not going to get it unless I open and I drink it. It's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. Unless we allow him to fill us every time anew and afresh, and we never allow him to lie dormant in the inside of us. We are never going to benefit from the advantages that comes with the Holy Spirit being in the inside of us. Somebody say amen. So he comes not just so that we can hold him and say, I have the Holy Spirit and break about him. But he comes to permeate our insight. He comes to permeate even our emotions. He comes to even permeate our qualities because there are qualities that we have that we think they are from God and yet we were not born with them. We inherited them along the way. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he puts the reset button and he gives us the, the, the qualities that are going to cause us to become better children of God to God. Better in, in every aspect and in every sense uh, uh, as the children of the most high God. Somebody say amen. amen. So he, he infuses these qualities in the inside of us. So it does not come just so that we can say he is in the inside of us. But he has a mission and his mission 
is to permeate our inside. It is to permeate our hearts. It is to permeate our emotions. It is to permeate our qualities and cause us to become like Jesus. Amen. Ephesians chapter number 5, verse number 18. The Bible says, and do not be drunk with wine in which is is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. We are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We must receive him. We remember the scripture that we read in the book of Ephesians where Paul was asking the disciples if they have received the Holy Spirit. Some of them did not even know that there was such, that there was someone called the Holy Spirit. Then this teaches us that it does not matter the journey you have walked with Jesus. It does not matter how long you have been saved. There is a possibility that you do not have a true and a living relationship with the Holy Spirit. There is a possibility that you are not filled with the Holy Spirit. Proximity to Jesus does not automatically mean a true and a living relationship with the Holy Spirit. The disciples were walking with Jesus, seeing all the miracles, the signs and the wonders. They saw everything about Jesus and they did well in believing what Jesus could do, but they did not know that there was another dimension in God called the Holy Spirit that you need to receive. That cannot force himself to you, but you need to receive him. So we must receive the Holy Spirit. And after receiving him, we need to fellowship with him. We must not allow the Holy Spirit to lie dormant in our hearts, to lie dormant in our lives. He is our advantage. We need to use him we need to engage with him. We need to make sure that we talk to him, that we engage with him. He is going to help us with our walk with God. He's going to help us in our journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. Without receiving the Holy Spirit, we cannot be able to then fellowship with him and in turn be partners with him because it is fellowship that precedes partnership. You cannot partner with the Holy Spirit unless you fellowship with him. There is no way that anyone can, 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 uh, can partner with somebody that, that they do not even know. Everyone wants to know that if I invest myself into the life of this person, I know that they have my best interest at heart because they fellowship with you. You build trust through fellowship. So the Holy Spirit, when you fellowship with him, you then are going to be able to partner with him. We fellowship with him by engaging him, by involving him in our daily routines, in our daily lives, in our day-to-day dealings. We involve the Holy Spirit. We engage him. We talk to him. We allow him to lead us. We allow him to guide us. Then we will then partner with him. In our marriages, we can partner with him. In our businesses, we can partner with him. In our careers, we can partner with him. In our lives, in the inside of us, where there is turmoil, where there are things that are going on and nobody knows about, we can partner with the Holy Spirit and he can be able to help us to become the people that God wants us to become. Somebody say amen. So it is this partnership that then brings about transformation into our lives. 
when we have received the Holy Spirit, we fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We then partner with the Holy Spirit so that he can change us from the inside out. Sometimes when we say we have certain qualities, they don't last because they are not from inside out. They are just a facade that we put when we are in front of people. And it is never genuine. It is just things that we have put as a facade. But the Holy Spirit, when we partner with him, he transforms us from inside out. Somebody might ask, how does he transform us? He transforms us through planting the seed, uh, which is the word of God. God, uh, God then plants in us the spiritual seed. God sows a seed in us, and that seed is a spiritual seed. And that seed, which is a spiritual seed, is through his word. Somebody say amen. And he is always waiting after planting or after sowing that seed. He is always waiting for it to grow so that then it can yield fruit. In the book of First Peter, chapter number 1, verse number 23, the Bible says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So if you allow this seed of the word of God to be planted by God in the inside of you through the Holy Spirit, then you are guaranteed that forever you will be able to bear good and yield good fruit. Somebody say amen. In the book of 1 John, chapter number 3, verse number 9, the Bible says, whoever has been born of God does not sin. For his seed remains in him. He cannot sin because he has been born of God. So in other words, it is impossible to sin with this seed in the inside of you. That is why then after you get saved, you don't know what happened. But all of a sudden you don't have appetite for the things you used to have appetite for. It is because of this seed that has been sown in the inside of you. Even though you want to do it, you just cannot bring yourself to do it. And you wonder why. It is because of this seed that has been sown in the inside of you. This seed is the word. And the seed is the son. The son of God himself, Christ Jesus with a spiritual life in it. So when we have this seed in the inside of us, this seed has got life. Every seed when you plant it, it brings about life because it grows into a tree. And then after that, it yields fruit. So the same with the seed of the word of God. When it comes in the inside of us, it brings about life. So this seed is the son of God and he has a life that he wants us to live. And we cannot live it on our own. We can only live it when we lean on him. We can only live it when we depend on him. Because the Bible says it is impossible for us to then go back to the old ways if we have really, really uh, uh, embraced the seed of the word of God. Somebody say amen. So the reason why we receive the Holy Spirit which is, the, the, which is the son of God through the seed of the word. It is so that we can produce the same life that Jesus had. Jesus wants us to be like him. 
And there is no way that we can be like him unless we cultivate this seed and cause it to produce the same life that was also in him. Amen. So this spiritual seed turns us into good trees. Turns us to the trees of righteousness. The Bible says we are the planting of the Lord. We are the trees of righteousness. And the Bible then says the righteousness that does not come from God is like filthy wrecks. In other words, you cannot cook and produce your own righteousness and come to God and say, I am righteous. The righteousness that God recognizes is the righteousness that, that flows from the seed that was planted by him in the inside of you through his word by his spirit. Somebody say amen. Listen to Matthew chapter number 7, verse number 17. The Bible says, even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. So maybe you have been wanting to produce good fruit in your life. Maybe you have been looking for good results, but you have not checked the seed. Is the seed correct in the inside of you? Is the seed, the seed that is busy germinating in the inside of you and, and producing, is it producing after its own kind? And the kind that you don't like means the seed is not the correct seed. Then it means that you must deal with the seed, deal with the root of this tree that is in the inside of us, uh, that is in the inside of you, that is causing you to, to experience the bad fruit that you do not want to experience. Verse number 18 says, a good tree cannot bear good fruit, cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. So maybe you have been looking for good things from bad trees. Some of us are busy complaining, sometimes even about our parents. We are complaining about our siblings. We are complaining about our spouses, only to find that when we are busy complaining and fighting with them, we are making things worse because they cannot help but produce bad fruit. All that we need to do is to attack the fruit. I mean, is to attack the tree, is to attack the seed it, through prayer. Pray for them that they may be saved because it is only through the seed of the word of God. It is only through the Holy Spirit in the inside of a person that then they can, they, they can cultivate and become trees of righteousness. There is no any other way. There is no any other way about it. So if you, you've been thinking that you are going to shout people into becoming good, it's not going to work. If you think you are going to fight people into becoming good, it's not going to work. You are going to weary yourself fighting people to become good. It's not in them. They cannot be good. There are people who are stressed and frustrated by what is happening all around them only to find that there is nothing that you can be able to do because a bad fruit cannot produce good fruit. What you need to do as the Christian as the child of God is to just engage in prayer and ask God to work in their hearts so that the seed of the word of God may find room in their hearts, may find room in their, in, in their lives so that then they can be able to become good, good trees that can bear good fruits. You, you, you are tired. Now we are log. There is no one 
who can be able ukulungisumuntu. You are fooling yourself if you think that you can be able ukulungisumuntu. There is no one who can be able ukulungiswa uwe. Age kumundu ngalungiswa imi, age kumundu ngalungiswa uwe. So maybe what you need to do is to change your strategy from now on and go back home to your husband, go back home to your wife and just love them and pray for them that the seed that is busy producing these fruits that you don't want may be taken away so that the seed that will produce the good fruits that you want to see will then be planted in their hearts. Some of us are always shouting at our children and yet we do not want them to be saved. Each time they say they are going to church, each, each time they are saying they are engaging in the things of God, we don't want them to do that. But then we want them to produce good fruit. There is no bad tree that can ever give you good fruit. So each time you are receiving bad fruit, examine the tree. So when you examine the tree, you will then know what you are supposed to do with this kind of a tree that is giving you bad fruit. Isaiah chapter number 61 verse number 1. The Bible says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Verse number two, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. God wants to be glorified through the fruits that we produce in our lives, but we are only going to be called the trees of righteousness if we let God deal with everything that he does not want into our lives, in most cases, we want to produce good fruit, but we run away with the ashes. We run away with the ashes and we do not want God to do the divine exchange of giving us beauty for the ashes. Why do we always run away with the ashes? It is because we are familiar with the ashes. If you can take a pig out of the, out of, out of the mud, the pig is not going to be comfortable. The pig is going to go back into the mud because he was born in the mud and he knows how to navigate through the mud. So when you wash the pig and you put the pig in the house, the pig is going to be very much uncomfortable because he is used to the environment that is muddy. That's so it is with us. God wants to take the ashes away from us, but we are holding on to the ashes. We don't want God to do the divine exchange. We don't want the beauty because we were not born in the beauty. We were born in sin. We were born in frustration. We inherited things that are not good for us and they became a part of our lives. And after becoming a part of our lives, we don't want to let them go. Even though God is coming and saying to us, now there is a possibility for you to live a life that is full of beauty. But no, we hold on to the ashes. Some of us, we're going to marriage with the ashes. And how many know that's just a small wind with the ashes. It blows 
and copper everyone around us. Maybe the marriage is not the problem. Maybe the problem is that you are holding on to the ashes. Maybe if you can just allow the Holy Spirit to do that divine exchange. Because remember, Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. It's only when the Spirit of the Lord is involved that we can have that divine exchange. We need to engage the Holy Spirit. We need to love the Holy Spirit. He is the spiritual seed in us. And it needs to be nurtured. We must nurture the relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit so that then we can be able to yield a spiritual fruit. The fruit of righteousness. Philippians chapter number 1, verse number 11. The Bible says, being filled with the fruit of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So it means that it is not about our own righteousness. Just in case you think you must go back and fix yourself before you can come back and have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, think again, there is no need. God has got his own righteousness that he bestows through his spirit upon us. And he, he does not want us to go and work and try and fix ourselves. But he wants us to just yield to his Holy Spirit. And he is going to allow us to even yield the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I said it brings about transformation, partnership with the Holy Spirit brings about transformation, a great deal of transformation. So if there is anyone who does not want to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, I just want to let you know that you are missing out. You are missing out big time. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes things happen. Even in the Bible, the Bible says uh, when the earth was without form, the Bible says then the Spirit of God was hovering upon the waters. So it was the word of God that came out of the mouth of God. And he said, let there be and there was. I believe that if the Holy Spirit was not there to bring about the transformation of the things that God spoke of, but with his mouth, he, that then the things that God spoke, he was not going to see unless the Holy Spirit was there. He's the one who brings about the manifestation of things from the supernatural into the natural world. Somebody say, Amen. So he is able to bring about the righteousness that we, 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 we sometimes think it is, it is not reachable. He brings it to us and he helps us become righteous. Somebody say amen. So without the Holy Spirit, without him filling us and without us fellowshipping with him, we will always fulfill the lust of the flesh. Our flesh will always crave for what it used to do before we got saved. Our flesh will always pull us towards what God has taken us away from. Our flesh will always try and pull us back to sit on our ashes instead of gunning for the beauty that God has in store for us. Our flesh is not our friend. We love our flesh so much, but our flesh is actually our enemy because our flesh wants to pull us back and cause us to not experience the things that God would want us to experience. Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot manifest positive qualities 
Remember I said he comes and dwells in the inside of us so that he can permeate us and affect our qualities. But without him, we will always manifest negative qualities. Galatians chapter number 5, verse number 16. The Bible says, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So the solution for not fulfilling the lust of the flesh is walking in the spirit. Is fellowshipping with the spirit. Is engaging the Holy Spirit every day. When you are in the flesh and you see yourself wanting to do the things that you know you are not supposed to do or the things that you know you are no longer comfortable doing. But all of a sudden, it's as if you are able to do them with ease and there is nothing wrong. You don't feel some way about them. Then check your walk with the Holy Spirit. It means that you are not in the spirit, but you are in the flesh. So here is a solution of not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. Walk in the spirit. Verse number 17 says, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. No, now, the works of the flesh are evident. So now, in, the, in, in, in verse number 19, it says, the works of the flesh are evident because we have established in the past verse that the spirit and the flesh are not in agreement. The spirit and the flesh are fighting one another. So you are wondering why? Because I love the Lord. You are wondering why? Because I, 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 I want to walk with God. I have decided in my mind and I want to do this thing. But this thing that you are doing is, is the last of the flesh. It is contrary to the spirit of God. But if you can walk in the spirit, then you will not fulfill the last of the flesh. And then maybe someone might be asking, what is the last of the flesh? Because I, I hear you that you are saying it's actually contrary to the spirit and I need to overcome it by walking in the spirit. So how do I know? How do I dictate that uh, uh, I am now in the flesh? The Bible says they are evident and they are adultery. They are fornication. They are uncleanness. They are lewdness. They are idolatry. They are sorcery. They are hatred. 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 So maybe you've been wondering, how come I don't like anyone? It's the lust of the flesh. You are in the flesh. You are not in the spirit. That is why you don't like anyone. And if you can be true to yourself, those people have never done any wrong to you. In most cases, the hatred that we hate others with is the hatred we hate ourselves with. So it's misdirected. We are actually hating ourselves. And because we don't want to fully hate ourselves, we distribute it to everyone. And then we end up hating everyone. Everyone who is full of hate is people who has not mastered self-love. And it's the Holy Spirit who's going to help you with self-love. Because each and every time you are full, you must always check how come I am the common denominator in as far as this hate is concerned. 
Where there is hate, there is my name. Sometimes you even end up hating people that love you. Because you don't love yourself. When your heart is full of hatred, it's only the Holy Spirit that can help you. That's the last of the flesh because it's nice when you hate others because you feel powerful. And sometimes you hate people that don't even really need your love. They love themselves so much. Instead, you are hurting yourself by hating them. Hatred. There's the solution. Walk in the spirit. It says contentions. It says jealousies. Jealousies. In plurality. Jealousies. So it means they are in levels. They are in grades. They are in dimensions. Some of us have even graduated from the small jealousy to a... a <laughs> jealousies. Kinds and kinds of jealousies are living in the inside of you. Yesterday you thought you have this kind of jealousy. Tomorrow you manifest another kind of jealousy. And you wonder, is there such a kind of jealousy? I didn't know, but it's manifested. Jealousies. Yay, jealousies. <laughs> but they are, they are in degrees. There are people who are not only jealous of their friends, they are even jealous of their family members. Their own family members, you can't stand your sister prosperous. It's the last of the, of the flesh. You cannot stand your sister having a good marriage because yours did not work. Maybe it can work if you can correct your heart and fix that kind of jealous. Jealousies. One kind. Imagine if many kinds are living in you. Even one is not good because it imprisons you. Jealousies. Last of the flesh. Last of the flesh. Outbursts. Outbursts of wrath. Outburst. The Holy Spirit is not there. Christian as you are, you are in the flesh. If you are always having outbursts, you, you are a ticking time bomb. We are even scared to let you know that you are not doing something right because you are going to... Sometimes we can't even tell you more your color tell when it me again Let's rather deal with his leg that is broken than deal with the outburst because my say pugil uzo to toba ganan. Besege si amnesat. Kona manta bagiega yo bagiega lugutu hambu yo uyo limala because they can't talk to you. You are not easy to be spoken to. Outbursts. You are a ticking time bomb. 
Gabila, Gabila, we are story. I think it's in the book of Matthew when, when, when Jesus was at the sea, and the Bible says, then the sea became posterous. Hey, now I'm a cacas. I'm a cacas all the time. It is impossible that you are always angry. It's impossible. It's because you are walking in the flesh. That's the reason why. Sometimes let go of other things. It goes to show that you are walking in the spirit. That you are able to just let other things go. You are able to say, oh, okay, all right, no problem. We move. It's the flesh. Outbursts. It's the flesh. You are in the flesh. Diagnosis number one. This morning, you are walking in the flesh. Get back to the ways of the spirit. Walk in the spirit. And you will see, you will be a happy person. You will see just now without me going ahead of myself. It's selfish ambitions. It's... Uh, Dissensions. It's envy. It's murders. Drunkenness. Rivalries. And the Bible says, and all the likes. Then it says, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So you, you stand a chance of not entering the kingdom of God by reason of walking in the flesh. But if you can walk in the spirit, the Bible says you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But the Holy Spirit brings about transformation, as I said, in our lives. All of these things Maybe we don't even know how are we going to tackle them. Maybe we don't even know how are we going to correct them. As I am counting them and as you are going to go home and read the scripture again, you may wonder, how can I correct all of these things? Remember, it is the Holy Spirit that is able to bring about transformation in your life. That someone who has always had anger outbursts all the time is now so calm. It is because of the work of the Holy Spirit in the inside of them and they are walking in the Spirit. So if you can walk in the Spirit, you will not fulfill the last of the flesh. All of these things, you even Bluetooth others with hatred. Your hate is contagious. Anyone who comes around you does not like everyone else because you Bluetooth them, you tell them, that that person and that person and that person, everyone is not good to you. But the Holy Spirit brings about transformation. Now you don't like this character of yours anymore. In fact, you wish that you can erase everything that people know about you. But I'm here to let you know that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is able to bring, to bring about transformation in our lives. He transforms us to produce his character. He transforms us 
to produce the life that Jesus wants us to live. That you can just see yourself changing from inside out. He does not change you from outside in, but he changes you from inside out. That's the permanent transformation and it can only be acquired through the spirit of God. That's the only way we can be transformed in our lives through the, 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 the growing of the fruit in our hearts, through the tree of righteousness, giving the fruit that is of God and that is of the spirit. In Ephesians chapter number five, where we read, that is just a summary. It is a sum up of everything that we find in the book of Galatians chapter number five, which is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So it sums it all up that in turn, we are then people who will produce goodness. We are then people who will produce righteousness. We are people who will produce the truth. If we produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit that is found in the book of Galatians chapter number five, verse number 22, this is how the Holy Spirit transforms us into better people, into better husbands, into better wives, into better children, into better colleagues, into better business people. This is how he transforms us in, in, into better people in general, that we become better even with our own selves, that even when we are sitting alone without anyone else to experience us, we love the experience we give ourselves of ourselves. When you, are, when you have been transformed from inside out, you even enjoy your own company. You even love yourself better. You sit down with yourself and you are able to say, I'm not guilty of anything. And you are at peace with yourself. Because of the things that they have done. But when the Holy Spirit comes and brings about transformation from inside out, we are going to be at peace with ourselves. Here are the fruit, the, the ninefold fruit of the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to take whatever that I'm going to be able to take and we are going to close. These, I said, causes us to be good, causes us to be righteous and causes us to be truthful. Number one, in the book of, Gen F of Galatians, chapter number five, verse number 22, the Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. You cannot love but by the Spirit. It's only the love of God that is able to bring about every other kind of love. You can never claim to love anyone unless you have experienced the love of God, which is agape. That kind of love is the love that then will be able to demonstrate all the other kind of love. Many people say that they love somebody only to find that they are just emotionally attached to that person. It's not true love. It's just that they are emotionally attracted or emotionally attached to that person. But because we have not allowed the Holy Spirit to manifest the love of God in the inside of us, we can never claim to be those who are able to love. And then it says joy. Joy is a product of the presence of the Holy Spirit. The life of joy 
is when you rejoice in the Lord always. When you see people joyful, it does not mean that everything is hunky-dory. It does not mean that everything is okay and that they have it all together. But it is when we have mastered rejoicing in the Lord. The Bible says, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. And when he emphasizes that we must rejoice and he says again we must rejoice, it means that he knew that we are people who love sadness. This excessive sadness that we carry every day and dullness that we carry every day is not the fruit of the spirit. It does not come from God. Yes, when something has happened that is not good, fine, it's permitted, you can't be sad, but don't dwell there. Don't dwell in it. Rejoice in the Lord. It's as if then God knew, and I know that Vele, he knew that we will need the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is relevant for each and every one of us. The Holy Spirit is relevant for every generation. That is why there is no such thing as a sad generation unless the Holy Spirit is present. Then they call the generation that comes and they say it is a sad generation. We should say it is the generation that does not engage the Holy Spirit. And it is up to us whether we want to label the generation as a sad generation or we teach them how to walk with the Holy Spirit and rejoice in the Lord. Yes, you are permitted to be sad if something bad has happened. There is nothing wrong with that. It's an emotion that is granted. But don't dwell in it. Don't dwell in it. Because then it's going to bring about more and more sadness. And it's going to sit on you as a spirit of sadness. And you are always sad even if you don't want to be sad. But you can counter it by walking in the spirit. And be a joyful person. Learn to say what I cannot change, I'm going to move. Assess the situation, assess the circumstance, assess what is at hand. And see if it's something that you are able to do something about it or not. If you are able to do something about it, ask God for the grace to do something about it and change it. But if it is something that you cannot do anything about, move. There's life after every event. No matter how sad that event can be, there's life after that event. And the Holy Spirit is there to guide us. The Holy Spirit is there to lead us out of that situation. But sometimes we don't want to get out of it. We want to sit there because we want sympathy. Get your life back and forget about sympathy. It's better to have your life back than to have the sympathy of others. Get your life back and say, I'm not going to be labeled a, a set generation. I'm not. There is the provision in the kingdom of God called the Holy Spirit. I can engage him. I can talk to him. I can sit down with him. I can tell him everything that is going on in the inside of me. Everything that is bothering me in my head. Everything that is bothering me in my heart. I can be able to engage with him. I can be able to talk to him. I can be able to tell him that this sadness is not going to last. I am sick and tired of it. Help me out. We must rejoice in the Lord. How do I rejoice in you? Ask him. I want to be able to rejoice. 
Some of us can't even be happy and be joyful when good things happen to us. We are so accustomed to sadness. This spirit of sadness must go and leave our children alone in the name of Jesus. Get out. It must go and leave our children and leave this generation. We can be a generation that has a true and a living relationship with the Holy Spirit who brings about joy. Sometimes even though we are saved, we are the children of the Most High God, we are full here at church every Sunday, but then the enemy will hold on to us with sadness. He must know that we are the children of God and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit brings about joy. So anything that is contrary to that which the Holy Spirit brings is not allowed in my heart, not allowed in my mind, not allowed in my life, not allowed in my home. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Joy. Some of us even saved as we are when we pray and God does not answer our prayer. We become sad. As if God is going to act because you are sad. God does not respond to our sadness. The Bible says those who give will reap in joy. It says you will reap in joy. You, you will reap in joy. If there is anything that will move God to answer you and give you a harvest, it is joy. It is not sadness. So this thing of having a sad face all the time, dull all the time because you don't have one, two, three, and four, and you've been praying, and you've been fasting, and you've been trusting God, it does not go, it's not going to cause God to change in any way for you. But he says, you will reap in joy. I know some of us, in fact, most of us, Studied English, right? Uh, it might uh, just vary by school fees, but it's English anyway. It's English anyway. So when you say in, it means inside. Am I correct? So when the Bible says you will reap in joy in the book, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it's 112 or 126. Somewhere there, you will read it at home. You will find it. Technology is good to us these days. Find it. It says you will reap in joy. So when you have been waiting for a harvest, but waiting in sadness, you are not going to reap. It's in joy that you will reap. That is why you will find us here at church every Sunday, jumping and singing as though we have no problems, as though we have no challenges, as though we have no unanswered prayers, but we are busy singing because the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's what the Bible says. So where are you going to get the strength if you are not going to be in joy? Where are you going to get your harvest if you take yourself out of joy? You reap in joy. So, in other words, God brings the harvest where you are in joy. But it's not sadness that is going to cause God to give you what you are asking for. If you cannot change it, move. If you cannot change it, move. If you cannot change it, move. There's a lot in store for you. You are holding on to things that you cannot change. And there's a lot that is ahead of you. The Bible says looking back, we do not look to the things that are behind. 
but we look to that which is forward and we press on. We press on. Some of us just sit down because one prayer was not answered. And we say this thing, as if being said and, 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 and dull all the time is going to cause God to do what you are asking him to do. He says you will reap in joy. Remember, remember this. And it's only through the Holy Spirit that you can be able to be in joy. To rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Don't allow yourself to be labeled as a set generation. Young people, hear me. Don't allow yourself to be labeled as a set generation. You are not a set generation. You are a generation that is full of the Holy Spirit. You are a generation that loves Jesus. You are a generation that does not pretend to be happy. But you are a generation that is happy. When you are unhappy, you are unhappy. And when you are happy, you are happy. When you are joyful, you are joyful. When you are not joyful, you are not joyful. And there is no manga manga business here because you are always rejoicing in the Lord. So that when you are sad, you are granted the time to be sad. But then you also snap out of it quickly because you know you don't want it to hold on to you for far too long. It does not serve you. Sadness does not serve you. In any way. It's only joy that serves you. What does joy serves you? It serves you the harvest. You reap in joy. It's only in joy that you will reap that harvest that you are asking God for. In joy. Allow the Holy Spirit to help you to be a joyous person. To be a joyful person. Not this thing of frowning everywhere you go. You are frowning, frowning. Everywhere you are, you are frowning. Refuse. Refuse to be sad all the time. Believe that things will change. And train yourself not to worry about those that you cannot change. But believe that they will change. And believe that God is coming to help you out. And if he doesn't, it means that he has a plan. Because he is a God who is good. Remember the three Hebrew boys. In the fiery furnace, the Bible says that they were inside. The, the heat was made seven times. It was so hot that you, you, you could not even stand next to it. But they were thrown inside. Did God take away the fire? Did God take them out of the fire? He did not, but he was there in the fire with them. And made sure that the fire does not burn them. So why are you sad because of the fire you are going through? Why do you want the fire to stop burning today instead of letting it burn whatever it needs to burn and just allow God to do whatever he wants to do so that then you can come out of it a better person. And when you come out of it a better person, you know he was with you in the fire. But you are still here. He's with you in the fire. He's with you in the fire. Did he take them out? Did he take Daniel out of the lion's den? He did not. He was inside with him. I don't know whether he made the lions to lose appetite or, or, or maybe he shut their mouth. I don't know what he did, but there's something that he does when you find yourself in situations and circumstances that are not favorable to you. Sometimes it does not take you out of them. But it does something to the situation. 
Sometimes it does not do something to you. He does something to the situation. And the situation loses its power. And it loses its grip on you. The fire lost its ability to burn. Because those who trusted the Lord were in it. By the Spirit. By the Spirit. It lost its ability to burn. Could not do what it is supposed to do. Could not do what it is created to do. When you know who you are. You get in. And you don't curse God. You get in and you say, oh, says la. Okay. No problem. So Pumama says Puma. So Pumama says Pum. And you go about your business. And you stop things said everywhere you go and everyone you are hating everyone you are you are no talk to the Holy Spirit in your closet fellowship with the Holy Spirit how do you fellowship with the Holy Spirit you sit down with him and you talk to him and you tell him I'm not sure.
They were not sitting down sad because they were thrown in the fire. They were moving around, which is the sign of joy. They were not bound. They were not told to sit down by sadness. But they said, we know. There's something that you do in situations. There's something that you do in circumstances. I don't know what you're going through this morning. But there's something that he does in situations. And he can do it in your situation this morning. There's something that he does in circumstances, in fires, in the lion's den. There's something that he does even when you are faced with the Red Sea. The Holy Spirit is so good. It was him even then when they were faced with the Red Sea. He parted the Red Sea. He's the one who is able to manifest the things that are in the spiritual realm and cause them for us to handle them, for us to be able to experience them. He can do it for you this morning. Lift up your hands, we are praying. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you once again for listening to the message today. We trust that you were blessed by it. Please do subscribe to our podcast to receive new messages every week. Thank you very much and keep on building.